Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I hope that you are healthy and safe and I always love sharing my table with you. This is where delicious dialogue happens. Recipes and tips for marvelous meals are shared on this show. You'll gain ideas every weekend on how to live well and eat well, because this show is for people who love to cook or love to eat. I like to say, if you're one or both, we can definitely be friends. And every week, I tell you about my favorite cutting-edge recipes and distinguished authors, artisans, and chefs foods and restaurants, even gadgets for your kitchen. Of course, I dish on food and wine and cocktails, on trends and a little bit of tech. And so I hope that you will continue to tune in. Please visit chefjamie.com as well if you'd like to become a more confident cook. And check out Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen for my daily dish. So let's get this party started, shall we? Can we talk about BLTs, please? Because BLTs make me happy. And right now, we could all use a little happy, don't you think? I like to kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts, a technique to make you the best cook you know, to make you what I call a culinary hero. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, two snacks, maybe more. I will say, uh, is um, as much as I love to cook... Uh, definitely a feat. But there is something to be said about the perfect sandwich, and a BLT falls under that for sure. There's something beautifully simple about a BLT. All of its parts have to be just perfect for it to come together wonderfully. And what inspired this conversation is actually one that happened a few weeks past. I hope you recall or heard about it. Mark Stevens was here and we were talking talking about COVID cooking, and I asked him uh, what he had been up to, and he said, I'm making my own bacon. Well, it was an inspiring conversation because I got lots of emails from so many of you great cooks asking how to make homemade bacon at home. He shared his ingredients and a sort of shortcut method, but he really didn't give all the particulars. So stay tuned. Just wait. It's worth it. It's the bonus recipe this week, and I'll tell you how to get it. I'm sharing my homemade bacon recipe for the first time, in fact, here on the radio. But back to BLTs. So there was a wonderful piece written for Tasting Table a while back that highlighted the simple beauty of a BLT. I had a BLT party. I lined the kitchen countertop with brown butcher paper. I set out a big pile of crispy, smoky, delicious bacon. I sliced heirloom tomatoes and I put out crisp romaine lettuce and bacon mayo, more on that in a moment, and country bread. And I put my toaster on the counter alongside and I had avocados and sriracha and the other condiments. And we had a DIY, a do-it-yourself BLT party. And needless to say, it was really delicious and super fun. 
And so there you have it. That's a BLT party. Whether it's a party for one or a party for many, your friends will want to come. But I will gladly share my double bacon BLT recipe. You just have to email me. It is the bonus recipe this week. And by the way, there is an added bonus. So I do make homemade bacon. I've made it a couple of times, to be very honest. Um, I, like you, have a a busy life. In years past, um, I have worked a lot. And so with that said, I have cured my own bacon a couple of times, Post culinary school and then sometime past that. I do have a favorite butcher and I do buy applewood smoke bacon. I also order bacon if I want the truly smoky Benton's bacon, which is my favorite from Alan Benton. Uh, but you will need to order pork belly from your local butcher or your grocery store. Maybe not right now, but you know, weeks or months down the road. And you will need to find curing salt. You can order it online. But once you make homemade bacon, I will tell you, there's almost nothing better. And I have a recipe for it, which I will gladly share as the second bonus. So if you're looking for a homemade bacon recipe, or you would like my double bacon BLT recipe written out with ingredients and a method to make you a culinary hero in your own home, just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. I'll share my best bacon tips as well. Once again, it's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. Okay, let's get on to food news this week, shall we? This is good news, good food news, in fact, because I'm proud to share this information. There are a a handful, I, I would like to say a gluttony, of companies that are giving back to COVID-19 relief. And three of them are food companies that I'd like to highlight because there is, I think, good news to share. And we could all use a little bit of that right now. So I'm bringing you a few of my favorite things. I actually partnered with dailylounge.com and did a TV piece on this, which I hope you saw in your city. But here goes. America's original butcher, Omaha Steaks, is a fifth-generation family-owned company, right? And they provide all-American grain-fed beef and gourmet foods. They've been doing it for over 100 years. If you're an Omaha Steaks fan, well, then you've been an Omaha Steaks fan for a long time. They have devotees. What I love is that they have donated 100,000 servings of protein through the Feeding America network of food banks just thus far. And they are continuing to provide millions of meals for families in need. So you can give back by purchasing specially marked combos at omahasteaks.com and they will make a donation to Feeding America. Pretty cool, right? Now, if you're a wine lover, I am a Coravin lover. And if you don't know it, it is the Coravin system. You simply insert the Coravin, which is a needle, and it's very simple to press into the cork of a bottle. You tip and pour. And literally, you never take or remove the cork from a bottle of wine, which means you can drink or serve the wine you want and not have to finish the whole bottle, which means you can use a bit to braise or you can pour yourself a glass without ever removing the cork. It really is a genius system. 
and you never have to worry about wasting and you preserve what is left in the bottle for weeks, months. They've even tested it for years. Well, Coravin has been um, in my bar or on top of my bar uh, for years now, but Coravin is also giving back and 10% of the proceeds from purchases made on their website is going to relief. So kudos to Coravin. Last but not least, I am a wonderful pistachios fan. You know that green bag? And I have to tell you, I was really delighted to find out recently that wonderful pistachios have six grams of protein in a serving. So they're a really easy snack that pack a punch of protein. And I have been snack crazy lately. So they introduced these new flavors, chili roasted and honey roasted, and I am addicted. So when you stream a movie at night or your favorite TV show, Open up a bag of wonderful pistachios, no shells, roasted and salted, then you don't have any mess, and snack away and know that wonderful pistachios is giving back as well, and that makes me proud to tell you about them. So that's food news for this week, and good news on bacon, right? J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com for those bonus recipes. And don't touch your dial, please, because there's lots more fabulous food coming up in your radio. Suzanne Barr is here sharing the much-anticipated and much-acclaimed first memoir release from this beloved Canadian chef. The book is entitled My Aki Tree, and it brings food to life and life to food. It is her story, a love letter, a coming of age tale, stories and a tapestry that will inspire, that will create hope. It's a promise that there is no doubt an opportunity to rise up. The story of this black chef's life in the kitchen, you'll want to hear it. And we're making smorgas bowls. That's right. The unique and craveable recipes of hit blogger Karen Carruthers. Everything you can gather in a bowl for texture and flavor and fabulous goodness. It's a world of eating and you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with lots more fabulous food right after this. Life, create, and savor yours. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is her story, and I am so proud to share it. You see, Suzanne Barr is one of Canada's most respected chefs, but her journey to become a chef started when she was 30. This is a memoir about food, family, and the recipes that brought one woman home when she needed it the most. As I said, it is her story. It is the new hit release called My Aki Tree, written by Suzanne Barr, the story of a chef 
who has uh, truly found her passion, her path, her plan with a flair for fresh comfort food and a passion for her community, for food security, for making the world a better place, for training young marginalized women in the kitchen. And it is the most beautiful read, the prose, the stories. It is truly heartfelt. It has pure honesty and grace because Suzanne Barr is a storyteller. And I am beyond excited to welcome her to this show. Suzanne, you know that I am uh, deeply taken with your book. And so kudos (laughs) to you and thank you for sharing your story and welcome. Thank you, Chef. Mm -hmm. Thank you um, so much. This is, it's an honor to be a part of this conversation wow. and to celebrate, you know, what I think we both love, which is, you know, food and, and healing through with food yes. and then finding time to find storytelling as a integral part of it all to bring it to the table. Hmm. And you are really an extraordinary storyteller. I'll tell you, um, you know, as a, a boy mom, um, I, I am really <laughs> tired at night, but my eyes have been glued to your book reading, as long as I can keep them open, um, <laughs> because your story is relatable, it's beautiful, it's um, it's engaging. And for those of you that don't, uh, for those of you that don't know it, I, Suzanne, I would like for you to just share some snippets of it, please, so that we understand yeah. your journey. It was really interesting the process of writing, hmm. um, especially because when we initially. Um, approach Penguin Random House, it was the desire to write a modern cookbook. A modern Caribbean cookbook was kind of the focus that we want. We came in when we initially started the conversation, and they loved the idea, but they wanted more. They wanted to hear how I, how I found myself in a kitchen at a latter part of my life where I had done like a full career, 360, and committed myself into finding food, finding myself at home and going back to a place that I knew as a child but hadn't ever spent any years there, and that was in Toronto, Canada. Hmm. Being of Caribbean descent, all of us know our migration story takes us from, you know, Jamaica, from the motherland to, to England to then Canada and then back. So this was my family story, and this book celebrates my, my mother and my father's journey. I lost my mother at the age of 24 from cancer, and I was her caretaker at the time. I wasn't experienced as a chef or a cook or anyone in the healing of food and art. So I didn't understand exactly what was going on for her, but I did understand that something in my life was going to take a shift at some point, and it did. Hmm. And, you know, that journey took me to traveling and learning and and training in in, uh, France, south of France, and Hawaii, back to New York where I was living at the time, and then eventually finding my way back to Canada, where I was born. Mm. This journey took me back home. It allowed me to open my first restaurant with my husband Mm. and gave birth to my son, Miles, who is now seven. Mm. This book is about any chef that, you know, has an opportunity to share our stories, which is, you know, hard because majority of times we're working, we're in the kitchen, we're just feeling out what flavors and combinations and how to keep up with everything. And I think this this story is really kind of my story, my journey of what I've been through, what I've gone through, and what I'm continuing to do in my life. 
And I found it inspiring, I'll tell you, as a chef, of course, but also as a woman and as a mom, no matter what your career, it made me think when I started reading, I mean, three pages in, about my own story and how it chronicled. And it made me think back and it conjured up beautiful memories and challenging ones. And it was very self-reflective. That's your prose. I I think that's the self-realization of a lot of it. I mean, I loved reading that you went to care for your mom and realized that you had no idea how to cook at all. And a a chef of your caliber today who says, I started at 30, gives other great cooks or anyone in any industry the hope that you can find your passion, build on it, excel, all those wonderful things. And it took me a while to, to get to the point in the book where I finally understood that there is an Aki tree in front of your <laughs> childhood home, right? Can you, yeah. can you describe an Aki tree for us, please? So Aki itself um, is a, it's the national um, dish and fruit from Jamaica. This fruit is what we um, have been transformed into our national dish, which is ackee and saltfish yes. together. We traditionally would have it for breakfast. You can also have it for dinner, and you'll have it accompanied with um, some toast, hard dough bread, festival, hard dumplings, mm. provisions, whatever it might be. Ackee grows on a tree, and it, because it's a fruit, it is this beautiful, versatile, succulent mysterious, almost dangerous fruit. Mm. And I say dangerous because in order for you to consume it, it must open itself. And that's when I say open, it's it's actually a red pod. And these red pods have three um, almost like wings that that slowly crack open and they release a toxic gas. Once that gas is released, you know that you can safely remove the, the actual flesh and the seed and remove the seed and then enjoy the flesh. Mm-hmm. So this ackee tree, for me, and, and within the book, it represents this badge of pride of being Jamaican. Yes. My family built our home in, in Plantation, Florida, and when my parents built that house, they planted a, a seed. They planted their first ackee tree, and it was like this, it was our flag. It was our pride that we had settled there and this will be our generational wealth of homes. Mm. And this will be a home that would be passed on from our family to the future families in our, in our generation. So Amazing. It's, um, mm. it was a real, you know, coming together of naming the book My Aki Tree. And it took me a while, because, especially because we had a title already, but this title fits so perfectly. And I think it fits so much about who I am and my pride and my heritage. Yes, and, and blossoming and... And patience. And I mean, I could name 10 things that this tree represents just from the start of your book. And and I think that's just beautiful. Suzanne, I love the way you write and I love the way you speak. And I want to dish some more. So please don't go away. There's more with Suzanne Barr of the Aki Tree right after this.
back and we're dishing my finger on the pulse of what's hot in the culinary world. And let me tell you, this lady is Chef Suzanne Barr sharing her story. The book, My Aki Tree, and the conversation continues. If you would, um, because this is a very present conversation today, um, talk about the battles you've experienced, the stereotypes of being a black female cook, becoming a culinary star, if you would, in an industry that, you know, like you, I have been long involved in, um, still has some dated practices. It does. We've come a long way, but we're certainly not there. And and that applies to so many things in the world today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. You know, my journey as a chef, as as we shared earlier, started at, at a different part of my life where I had worked from the ground up. I had started in film and television at a very young age in my like early 20s through friends and went to um, film school and ended up working in so many different departments. And by the time that I left the onset, I was working at MTV Networks as an executive producer. Hmm. And so making a very comfortable life, having a very stable job, a big future ahead of thinking about network television, but something was missing. Something was missing for me, and I couldn't quite grasp what was going on. And so, you know, when I made this choice to go back to school and continue my education and then to pursue this passion of healing through food, it was almost like a slap in, my, in the face of my father. My father had migrated from Jamaica, left Jamaica, and went to the Bahamas and then from the Bahamas to Canada, and he worked as a cook. He worked on the on the cruise ship, and I think for him, and much like any black parent, you know, they don't want their children to suffer and to go through the turmoil and the hardships, especially in a servitude-based line of work Business, like what we do in of, hospitality. Of course, to always have more than they did. We always they wanted that. Yes. He wanted that. He foresaw that. So it was a, it was a real struggle to have to continue to let him know that that was that my journey was going to look different and mm. I was going to do everything in my power to create those differences. You know, I talk about it in the book about being a private chef and being invisible. Mm. I talk about the invisibility that we as black chefs are still challenged and battled with. I talk about, you know, what it's like to be a, a working mother, pregnant mother on the, on the line cooking to then a woman in the kitchen where her, 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 her husband's running the restaurant um, who happens to be Greek and then <laughs> is approached by a customer that is immediately asked, your restaurant is amazing, and he had to clarify that this was my wife's restaurant. These yeah. assumptions, these microaggressions, these macroaggressions, yes. these, um, these dated systemic issues around race and within this industry, I think it's something that got rattled and pushed and shoved, and it became very relevant that this is a conversation that's not going anywhere right. and that we as BIPOC folks in kitchens, we no longer are going to just accept what mm. you're giving us and what we have been presented with. We have been trained to cook the foods of every European country and then some, but yet when the tables are turned, the lack there of education and understanding of our own food, they have little. Oh. And, uh, and it's now our time yes. to connect back with that. And so little credit given where credit is due. And and I very much applaud you for speaking so profoundly and honestly 
from a place that I know definitely ensued some pain uh, along the way about the state of where we're at and what you've endured so as to make the path better for the next chef along the way. Can we cook for a moment, please? Albeit virtually together. Okay, good. I would love that. Okay, first, I would love for you to talk about the amuse-bouche, right? In French-trained culinary school, you bring a little taste, or if you define it accurately, it's uh, a gift from the chef, or often called a kiss from the chef, right? To sort of um, entice the palate. But you, Suzanne Barr, you bring welcoming seeds. Of course you do. And I love this concept. So share it if you would, because I will give you due credit, but I'm letting you know that I'm planning on this for my next dinner party. Um, I, I, I only in reflection will accept this as, you know, it was something that I learned while, while training in Hawaii at um, the Blossoming Lotus, which was the first restaurant I had the opportunity to stage in. And that chef that I worked with and worked under made that my project with other things I had to do, but I had to learn the process of, you know, um, understanding the, the texture, the, the body, the, the contrast, the play, and just that, that opening of the palate, the, the aromatics that work so well together, the fennel seeds, the macadamia nuts. This dish for me is kind of welcoming you into my, my, my life, you know, my very earliest memories of cooking professionally, so to speak, mm-hmm. and also some of the you know, most exciting, just fun, easy, almost thrown together, but with so much care and commitment and dedication that make these so special like, because of the use of the different ingredients yes. and the different seeds it's and like, the nuts. It uh, really kind of just opens it up in such a beautiful way. Like I want to make this my best cocktail snack ever. <laughs> I, re- I really do like I, you know just just to give everyone a taste of something but the idea of a welcoming seed is just lovely and then you do speak of uh, whatever is left over which by the way that's like leftover wine there is no such thing um, <laughs> on top of uh, on top of salad or I could see it um, as a textural crunch to contrast a cold or a hot soup just beautiful. Yeah. And then yeah. um, there is Nicey's Dutch apple pie. And who better to learn pie from um, <laughs> if, if you would share the backstory, please? You know, my, my co-writer, Suzanne Hancock, um, is a super talented um, producer of a podcast called Sunday Night Dinner. Mm-hmm. And she approached me before we had even known each other about being on her show. And she wanted me to make a dish that really reminded me of my mother that my mom would have made on a Sunday night dinner. And we sat in my restaurant, Saturday Dinette, and talked about it. We made it together. And that is kind of what opened us up into this intimacy between myself and Suzanne, this person that I didn't know, but made me, made me, gave me the power and the desire to make something that I hadn't made in years. You know, I found myself not cooking a lot of Jamaican food and a lot of dishes that she would make because it just connected me so much and there was still a lot of pain there of losing my mom at such a young age. And so Suzanne, um, she, she, you know, she, she pushed me and she also supported me and guided me. And when we thought about, you know, what needed to be in this book, this dish 
had to be. This pie had to be there. Mm. It's a dish that I've also now made with my son. He and I love to make apple pie, but this particular, my mom's particular apple pie, is still so so special because of the process of, of imprinting your fingerprints on the top of this pie mm. as you're pressing and molding it into the pie shell. Yes. You know, it's, it's such a mm. very simple yet very beautiful and floral and, and a pie that you can bring to a gathering, whether it's summertime, winter, any seasonally, it's, you know, just enjoying apples and enjoying the process of making a pie. Mm. And that process, I very much related to the passion that you pour into everything you've done. Uh, with with mountains to climb along the way and highs and lows, um, I have loved reading your journey. And I'm so grateful that you shared it. I think stories like yours need to be out there. They enrich all of our lives, really. I am um, very captivated by the book. And I congratulate you and I thank you for bringing to the food world new perspective, for sure. Um, it is a beautiful memoir a mix of family, food, and love. It is, uh, it is Suzanne's journey. She takes you along with her uh, in her path of becoming a chef. And it is just downright a beautiful read. It's called My Aki Tree. It's written by Suzanne Barr. It is soon to be um, top rated on Amazon. It's getting lots of acclaim. And it's very much well-deserved. Please, read it. It will warm <laughs> your soul and it might teach you a couple things along the way. And you know what? Who doesn't need and love that? Suzanne, what a privilege it is to have had you on the radio. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you so much, Jamie. You have a welcome invitation here anytime. When you open that next restaurant, you please come back and <laughs> share the plans, would you? I will. I okay. will. I promise that. I promise Good. That. Thank you. Thank you. Suzanne Barr, truly a storyteller. The book, My Aki Tree. Please check it out. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio Grab a snack. Come on back. There is lots more fabulous food to dig into right after this. back chef jamie gwen in your radio this is a place for people who love to eat delivering the world of food directly to your radio food lovers rejoice and grab a bowl you heard me right because karen carruthers is here she authors the hit blog tasty and free that's an n in the middle she is a true food lover and an artist of many mediums not only is her passion for healthy eating and her beautiful, I will say, adjustment to flourishing when faced with food allergies and sensitivities, putting her on the food scene as a marker, no doubt, uh, but it is also bringing to our tables beautiful, vibrant, and delicious bowls of goodness. 
Yes, she calls it a smorgasbowl, and she's sharing recipes and techniques for satisfying meals that have endless variation. Her first cookbook by the same name, Smorgasbowl, has just released, and as you know, lots of cookbooks grace my table. This is a glorious, beautiful one. The photographs jump out. The format of it is just spectacular. The matte finish of the pages. I have spent hours so far counting lentils in a bowl. I mean, it's just beautiful. And I am delighted to have Karen here to dish. Welcome to the show, Karen. I'm very enamored with your book. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Um, Okay. So without, because I really want to jump into the bowls, without too much backstory, but enough because we want to get to know you, give us an idea of how you started putting everything in a bowl, would you please? I think it's a very wonderfully convenient and fabulous way to serve, by the way. Uh, well, it, it sort of happened by accident, really. I, I started falling in love with um, what you can call like a low bowl or a pasta bowl. Um, and it, it really started when I cut grains out of my diet and I was eating mostly meat mm. and vegetables mm. and things were basic and not mm. very interesting. And I was feeling sort of bored, um, with it on the plate and trying to figure out how to keep the meals really interesting, you know, from breakfast to dinner, really just the whole day. Sure. Um, and so once I grabbed the bowl, I was able to add sauces and toppings, and I could put some cooked veggies next to the raw veggies, and things started melding, and everything started tasting a lot better. So really, the bowl has just been my savior for making everything taste better and keeping my life super interesting. Yeah, and I love that because now you use a bowl for every meal, as you say in the introduction. What exactly is your definition of a smorgasbowl. Yeah, I, a smorgasbowl can be a lot of different things. Um, and it's, it's sort of intentionally vague, but it's, it's a combination of things together in a bowl. Um, and, and they work together and they play off of each other and they add flavors to each other. And each bite that you take is unique and different because you have you have um, different bites that you're making in different ways throughout your meal. So it really is a combination of components together in a bowl. And there's something very personalized about it, the DIY process of it, you get what you want kind of thing, like you're curbing your cravings when you put it all together. And I love that at the start of the book, you talk about the building blocks, the four pillars of a balanced smorgasbowl. Your photography is just exquisite. Um, But if you, you yes, of course, if you would talk about the balance, please, because I I think that's what makes the bowl, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I eat this way. I eat this way all the time. And so, of course, you know that I've had some bad bowls, right? (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we all, right? (laughs) So I, I, I really have have started to hone in, you know, through my both through my, you know, reading just um, my hunger for food knowledge, just mm-hmm. um, coming up with 
um, the knowledge that's already out there about how to put together a structure and then also my own experience of what bowls have worked and what bowls have not, I put together a, um, an idea of the four pillars, which um, are taste, nutrition. Mm-hmm. This is a big one for me, texture. Yes. Uh, yeah, and the final, the final pillar that I talk about in the book is temperature. I love the simplicity of what you do. I love that it's been effective for you. And I love that you allude to it, it took you out of a food rut. And after two yeah. plus years, uh, we've all been cooking a lot. And as yeah. we're get, getting back to some sort of normalcy, albeit a new definition, I think what a wonderful, inspiring concept you've shared. We all know the acai bowl, right? Everybody is accustomed to a bowl more so for breakfast than ever before. And this is really a beautiful way to master that unique concept of bowl building. And you've detailed it gorgeously. Uh, The book is called Smorgas Bowl, and it is by Karen Carruthers, C-A-R-Y-N. Just what a wonderful way to grab a bowl um, and design to your heart's content and then dig in. Karen, it's beautiful. You should be very proud. And I am delighted to have you on the show and to be able to support your uh, passionate and very dedicated food-loving endeavors. Thank you so much. It means so much to me, and I'm very thankful to be here. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration. If food is your fetish, well, then I hope I supplied the tools, and I hope you'll tune in next weekend and allow me to make you hungry for more. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour. I like to call it my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation. Way too easy candied walnuts. No oven, no egg white, no fryer. Just five minutes and you will have gloriously addictive candied walnuts for salads or for sweets. Uh, That's if you can resist eating them as a cocktail snack. You don't need to toast the nuts first. They toast in the pan as they caramelize. Literally, it is way too easy. I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram today. And so you'll be able to grab it and steal it and make them. And these way too easy candy walnuts, they won't last. But I hope you enjoy them. I'll meet you here next weekend as well. I hope for more delicious conversation in your radio. I thank you once again for listening. I hope you stay healthy and safe. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 